0: Amen. Thank you for that song. Take your Bibles with me, if you would. And hopefully you grab one of the outlines on the way in here. Acts chapter number 6. Acts chapter number 6. If you're able to this morning, let's stand out of respect for the Word of God. Acts chapter number 6. Now, our theme this year is stand. And, of course, there's many aspects of the Christian life. Uh, One of the things, of course, with the, uh, the appreciation for our deacons and The office of a deacon, today we're going to look at the early church. When you get to the book of Acts, just beyond Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four gospel records, Jesus came to this earth to establish the church. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are a part of what Jesus began. We are not a part, listen to me, we're not a part of man made religion. This is the Lord's work, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Now, as you think about that, God has given, in His Word, He's given certain order to things. The reason we do things the way we do them is because we find it in the Bible, right? We're a Bible-believing church. Sometimes people say, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Because it's what the Scriptures teach. Now, as the Lord began the church, What happened was the church then started to grow. Now, what we're looking at in the book of Acts, this is important, is the church, the New Testament church in the first century. Here we are, 2022. We are still a part of the same work. Of course, many years have gone by, but God's word and the principles of God's word never change. So we want to look at this this morning to understand, and I've simply entitled the message this morning, Ready, Set, Serve, and I think you'll see that in the the message this morning. So if you have your Bible, and you can follow along here in Acts 6, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, and in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, now the word disciple is simply a follower of Christ. All right. So the disciples was multiplied. There arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them. Now, the twelve is indicative of the twelve that Jesus chose. Now, among those was Judas, Judas Iscariot which, of course, Judas, he was now gone. At this time, he had been replaced, but the twelve were the apostles. They were the leaders of the early church after the Lord went home to be with the Father. So the Bible says, The twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them, and he said, notice they they said, the twelve said to them, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, notice saved people. Look ye out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. Look at that saying there. The saying pleased how many of the people? The whole multitude. Listen, it's a wonderful thing when we all agree on something. Many times, this person thinks this, this person thinks this. God's intention for His church is that we would all agree on the Word of God. Now, look what it says. They, they, the saying pleased them, so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the, of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Procurus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas a proselyte of Antioch whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid their hands on them and the word of god increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly and a great number of the priests were obedient to the faith let's pray lord Bless your word this morning. May your Holy Spirit teach us and guide us into the truth. Lord, I pray for all that are here today, those that are listening. God, that your will would be done in our lives and in your church. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Now, when you look at this passage, in light of what I mentioned and announced a minute ago, In just two weeks' time, we are going to, as a church, select some deacons who will serve this congregation. When you look in the Bible, in the New Testament of the Word of God, there are only two offices that are given in the New Testament. Now, many churches misunderstand Uh, they, they, They oftentimes even misinform and create confusion because they create things that are not given in the Word of God. Now, certainly one of those offices in the New Testament is that of the pastor. The other office is that of a deacon. And we find these two in the New Testament of the Word of God. Now, the way to clear up any misunderstandings or any confusion is to open up the Word of God, and see what the Scriptures say about these offices. Now, today we're not going to address the office of the pastor. We're going to focus primarily on the office of a deacon. Now, as we look at this, what the Bible says, I'm not interested in the traditions of man. I'm not interested in the teachings of man. I'm interested in what God has to say in His Word. Because the Bible is our final authority for all faith and practice, and it is very important that we understand God's Word and the importance of it. Now, the passage today, and I'll just say this, and I'll I'll hit on this a little later on, it does not use the word deacon. You don't find the word deacon in this passage. Now, just because the word is not there doesn't mean that the principle is not there. For instance, most of us that have been saved and have studied the Word of God, we know what the next prophetic event on God's timetable is. It's called the rapture, when God takes us home to be with Him unless the Lord uh, allows us to step through death's door. Now, some people are always amazed to find out that the word rapture is not found in the Bible. But yet the principle of the rapture that we will be caught up together with him, that we will be snatched away, we find that in the word of God. So again, this is something that is taught in the word of God. Now when you come to Acts chapter number 6, many people believe that the verses we just read are the first reference to the office that would eventually become known as that of a deacon. Uh, when you look in in, in those in the, the first century, those that were saved, they eventually, not at the beginning, they eventually were called Christians. Now, the Bible says they were called Christians first in Antioch, but originally they were not called Christians. Now, I love the word Christian because it means to be like Christ, a little Christ. You know, when I got saved, I did not become a Baptist. When I got saved, I became a Christian. say, well, then why are you a Baptist? Because as I got saved, I began to read and study the Bible, and I became a Baptist by conviction based on the Word of God. So it's very important that we understand God's Word as He gives it to us, and how it pertains to whatever it is we may be studying. Now today, the context is in this matter of serving in the local church as a a deacon. Now, the passage before you today gives us some insight on the early church and how they felt that there was a definite need to set aside some men to serve those that were in the church. So today, let's look at it. Let's look at why we have deacons, and is it still something that we need today? Do we need to have deacons in the church? Now, if you look at the passage, it all begins, Acts 6 and verse 1, with the problems that the church faced. Now, it's evident that anytime time you have people, you're going to have problems. Would you agree? <laughs> they go hand in hand, Right. Uh, it's like the old preacher that was always complaining about all the all the problems. He said if we didn't have people, we wouldn't have problems. Well, if you didn't have people, you wouldn't have a church. You know? They just kind of come together. Now, again, problems can be varied, va- various different kinds of problems, but but when trouble comes into a church, and by the way, troubles do, just like in your home when troubles come, we must deal with those problems, to ignore them. Listen, they're not going to go away just because you ignore them. Sometimes people want to stick their proverbial head in the sand and just act like they don't exist. But problems do exist even in churches. Now, here's what I love. That when you study the Bible, problems do come, just like the passage before us this morning. But here's the wonderful thing is The Holy Spirit has the answer to those problems. And all we have to do is listen to what the Holy Spirit says, how to deal with those. Now, what are the problems that they faced? By the way, each one of these, the Holy Spirit helped them with, and we'll see that. The first problem that they faced was that of multiplication. Now, if you study in the book of Acts, Jesus, Acts chapter 1, He had gone to the cross, he gave his life, and he had died for the sins of the world. By the way, if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith in him for your salvation, Jesus died for all of us while we were yet sinners. You can trust him today if you're not saved. But Jesus died, he rose three days later as he said he would. And the Bible says in Acts 1 that he ascended up from them from the Mount of Olives And he is seated today at the right hand of God. Aren't you glad for that? He's interceding for you and I. But while he is there, as we read, he left those apostles to lead the believers in the first century. And as they began that leadership, there was something that was unique. Because when Jesus originally called out The 12, it began with him and just 12 people. Later on, the number mentions 120. And then we see how the Bible says in Acts 2, and you see that in your notes there, that they added to the church daily, such as should be so. Now, addition. Some of us remember way back when, 2 plus 2 equals, some of you don't know your math. Might have not been your finest subject. But 2 plus 2 equals 4 the last time I checked. Now, you can add numbers, and you're naturally going to get larger numbers the more you add. But if you look at verse number 1, look at this. In those days when the number of the disciples was, what's the word? Multiplied. See, The Holy Spirit of God, because look, we can't save ourselves, God saves people. But see, in Acts 2, addition was going on. But when you get to Acts 6, now it's multiplication. How many were saved on the day of Pentecost? 3,000. That's a pretty good day in church, isn't it? If you read a little further than the day of Pentecost, 5,000 men were saved. Well, that's 8,000 right there, and the Bible says that doesn't even include the wives and children that may have put their faith in Christ. Many people believe that the church in Jerusalem at this time was probably averaging between twenty and 50,000 members. That's a pretty good-sized church. Now, how many of you know twenty to 50,000 people, you're going to have some problems? Right? I mean, you're... You're going to have, you know, sometimes people come in here and they're like, uh, some people, they love the coffee, some people don't like the coffee. Some people like the donuts that are out there and some people are wanting to know where's their favorite donut. I mean, there's all kinds of things you have to deal with when you have people, but this, this matter of multiplication, look, it is a wonderful thing. It's a great problem to have when the church is growing. Let me say that again, because many of you didn't get that. It's great to see people coming to the house of God, to see people being saved, to see their lives being changed. Hey, growth is God's way. God wants to see the church growing, but as the church grows, then guess what's going to happen? Problems are going to arise. And that's where leadership comes in. That's where God says, okay, There's a problem here, and that problem needs to be addressed. It needs to be dealt with. See, the first problem that they had was the problem of multiplication. The second problem that they had was the problem of murmuring. Now, I know that most of us would never do this. But see, in the church at this time, look at it in verse 1. It says, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Now, if you study this out, here's what you find is, these are two different select groups of people. One of them are actually the Aramaic-speaking Jews that were native to Israel. Now, you say, what is Aramaic? Well, in your Bible, when God originally gave His Word, in the Old Testament, He, He gave it to us in the Masoretic text, the Hebrew language of the Old Testament. When you go to the New Testament, God, not man, chose to give his word originally in the Koine Greek of the New Testament. Now, there are parts of the Bible that were actually given in Aramaic. There are three languages that God used. Now, the Aramaic language was the common language in Palestine during the days of Jesus. Well, here's a group of Jews that are native to Israel and they were they were Aramaic-speaking Jews. Now, the other group of people that you had were Greek-speaking Jews. The, the word that maybe you've seen or heard is they were Hellenists. What that means is that they were Jews that had, had adopted the culture of the Greeks. Are you with me this morning? They came from various parts of the world. Now, how many of you know that you have two totally different you have the the Jews that were native to Israel and then you had all these other Jews that had come there that were adopting some of the culture i think all of us know here in america that culture really sets the tone and changes things right you know you, you look at our our world today and and the way culture feeds into and even Christians, many times, do things because of the culture. By the way, I'm going to talk about some of that tonight. Now, here's these two groups you have the natives, the native to Israel, and then you have those that have adopted a new uh, culture and they're coming together in the church. How many of you know there's some differences of views? There's some differences of opinions. And so, what happens? Well, the Bible says here that there was a murmuring. Now, what is murmuring? It is a secret debate or whispering. That Many people believe that there were people there, Jews, that were talking about others negatively behind their back about the problem that was going on. Now, when you study the book of Acts and the, the early church, here's what you'll find. We're in Acts 6 this morning. If you go back to chapter 4 and 5, something happened, even in chapter 3, where Peter and John were going into the temple to pray, and there was a lame man there, and, and Peter said, uh, rise, he he basically said, rise, stand up, and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ, and the Bible says the man was walking and leaping and praising God. And so here's Peter and John, and everything that they are doing, they're doing in the power of God, and they are telling people about God and about the Lord Jesus Christ and how, just like today, they are preaching about Jesus. Well, guess what? The religious gas bags of the day didn't want them preaching about Jesus. People today still don't want us to talk about Jesus either. Three people trusted the Lord as Savior yesterday while we were out, but I saw somebody come out their door, and I had left an invitation that had the gospel on it on their door, and I seen her open the door and hit it with her hand, and it fell to the ground. Not everybody wants to hear about the Lord. So Satan had tried, watch this, he had tried to disrupt the church, and his tactics in chapter 4 and 5 were he, was where he tried to disrupt the forward progress of the church from without the church, using people outside the church. And sometimes, even today, that happens where The devil does not want to see the church moving forward and so he will use people outside our church to try to halt the work of God. Everybody with me? Now, when you come to Acts 6, guess what? The devil miserably failed twice in Acts 4 and 5. Have you figured out yet that the devil's not a quitter? He's not going to stop. He's an accuser of the brethren. He's going to continue... To oppose you, he is our adversary walking about seeking whom he may devour. So he's tried to destroy the church from without, but that didn't work. So now he's got a new tactic. He's going to try to do it from within the church. So here he is, these two groups of people, and there is a division among them. There's differences causing friction. And so we come here to Acts chapter number 6, and the devil knows that if he, can, if he can cause a division, he can cripple the church. Now Jesus addressed this. Look at what it says here in your notes, Matthew 12. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand you ever see that sometimes when I'm out and I'm driving I'll see somebody that has a bumper sticker on the back of their car and it'll say on there on this side of it it'll say uh, the University of Michigan the Wolverines and on this side it'll say the University of Ohio Buckeyes and underneath of it it'll say a house divided in that house there are Michigan fans And there are Buckeye fans. And I'm going to tell you something. They're all wearing their their garb whenever their team's playing. But in that house, there is division. And look, God has always intended that his church would be together, that there would be unity among his people. God does not want us to be a divided people. As a matter of fact, look there in Philippians 1.27. He says, only let your conversation, your lifestyle, look at this, Be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. He says, Stand fast as one, with one mind striving together, not these people doing this and these people doing this. He says that you're all together. See, there was a problem in the church. The problem, first of all, was multiplication. There was, there, God was adding to the church. But notice also there was a the problem of murmuring. There were people that were griping and complaining and, and whispering among them. And then look at this. There was also the problem of ministry. Because look at this, the Greek-speaking widows, the Bible says here at the end of verse 1, it says that the the widows were neglected in the daily ministration. They were not getting their share, their fair share of the daily food supply. Now, if you back up all the way to Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4, here's what you find is, the Bible says that the, the early church, and by the way, we need to be the same way, When we're aware of a need of somebody in our church, we as God's church should do everything we can to help meet that need. Now you see this. Look look in your notes here. The Bible says in Acts 2 verse 44, All that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them unto all men as every man had need. Now here's what happened. Remember I told you earlier? 3,000 got saved at Pentecost, 5,000 after that. The church now is at 20,000, 50,000 people in Jerusalem. Guess what? The need was great. More people had been added. At this particular time, the task of the people's need was too much just for the apostles to handle. By the way, that's a good problem to have. So these here they are. These widows are missing out on the basic needs and the essentials that they needed for their lives, these Greek-speaking people, the element that was there, they actually felt that this oversight was being done deliberately, almost like they were being discriminated against because they were not a part of the Aramaic-speaking Jews, that the ones that had adopted the Greek culture that these Jews native to Israel were we're shunning them or not uh, taking care of the widows. And by the way, the Bible instructs us we ought to take care of the widows of the church. So what is the problem? Here it is. There was too much to do and not enough time to do it. Anybody else ever feel like me that you wish you could get more done in a day, but there's only 24 hours? I mean, just about every day I wake up and spend time with the Lord, and then I have these grandiose ideas of all that I want to try to accomplish. And do you know that most days when I put my head on my pillow at night, I did not even come close to accomplishing everything. My wife sometimes will say, well, listen, you got this done, you did this, and yeah, that's great, but listen, a man doesn't work that way. He's got to attack that list and get it all done. And here they are, that the problem is, was something that needed to be addressed, but there was too much to do. And when the problem comes into the church, guess what's going to happen? The people are going to suffer. See, the, the church is the people. And so we see the problems that the early church faced, the problem of multiplication, the problem of murmuring, the problem of ministry. So what did they do about the problems? Well, notice... They focused on the priorities of the church. Now look at verse number 2 in Acts 6. Then the twelve called the multitude of the people, the disciples, unto them. And here's what they said to them. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So the conflict arose and the leadership, in this case the apostles, they took responsibility. So here's what they said. Look. We've got some priorities, and so let's look at those. The first priority that I want you to see is the priority of preaching. Now, the apostles understood this because when they spent those three and a half years with Jesus, the Lord, look at Mark 3, he ordained them, and notice that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to do what? To preach. See, people need to hear, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And we need the preaching of God's Word. We don't need somebody just sitting around, just having a little talk with us, a little chat with us. We need somebody to preach the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, preach the Word, Instant. be instant, in season and out of season. And people need to hear the Word of God. And the apostles, look, they were not above the ordinary, the the routine ministry of the day, it was simply a matter of the priorities of the church. And that's what they were addressing here. It wasn't that passing out the supplies wasn't important. It was. But God had ordained that they would preach the Word of God. Well, the only way that you can preach the Word of God is to prepare. I was always glad whenever I was, before God called me to pastor at church, to be in the ministry, I was always glad, look, I wanted to come to church, but I more than that wanted to come to church and get a spiritual meal when I came to church. I've been in some churches where you you come in, you sit, and you walk out, and you're like, what did he say? You know, I didn't really get a whole lot. I mean, how would you feel if you went somewhere and spent $50 at a restaurant after the service this morning, and you walked out hungry after you ate? You'd be like I want my money back. Well listen, you come to church. You 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 want a meal. You know, I I I don't want, you know, I don't want a twinkie when I come to church. Give me a T-bone. You know, give me steak and potatoes. Give me something that that I can sink my teeth into and and most of us look and I don't mean this bad. I'm not saying this about myself, but most, most Christians have no idea the amount of time that a, a pastor or an evangelist spends laboring in the Word of God and studying and praying and meditating on the Word of God. And by the way, I do all that with joy and with gladness. I love to study the Bible. But the reality is, listen, I understand that if somebody's going to come to the house of God they have every right to get something from the Word of God when they come. And So here they are addressing this issue about the Word of God. And look, I'm going to tell you that if preaching is going to have power and if preaching is going to change lives and if preaching is going to glorify God, then the preacher has to have proper time to prepare and preparation is the number one priority of the preacher. And we see here that they said, look, the priority that we are facing is, first of all, the preaching. But the second priority is the people. Now, th- don't get me wrong. Sermons are important, but guess what? People are too. I'm glad you're here today. Some of you are like, I I didn't really know this was what it was going to be like. I don't know if I want to be here, you know. But listen, I'm going to tell you something. God wanted you here today. And I, I love people. I love how... People are so different, but guess what? Where there are people, there are needs, and those needs need to be met, and there was, it was, there was no way for these 12 apostles to meet the needs of twenty to 50,000 people. Do you remember in the Old Testament when all, the, 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 the children of Israel, the number of them had grown so much, and Moses was trying to take care of all the needs, and his father-in-law finally came to him and he says, look. You're going to wear yourself out. And so what did he do? He appointed some other people that could hear some of these matters, and there were some that that were brought to him that he needed to listen to. Well, listen, anytime, you know, if you have a business, you start a business, it might just be you or you and your, your spouse. But if God gives an increase, your business starts growing, you need to add people. You know, it's, it's a principle you see all, all over time. And, and so when we look at this, look, the people are important, but there's no way that the apostles could meet the needs, so what did they needed to do? The leadership was suggesting here that they needed to enlist the help of others to get the ministry done. Everybody with me this morning? So look, there were problems, real problems in the church. They faced them. And then they they said, okay, what are our priorities? Well, our priorities are the preaching of the Word of God and the people. Now, notice the proposal that the church faced. Now, God placed the leadership there. Jesus had gone home to be with the Father. And so the apostles at this time are the leadership of the early church. And so I love this. The apostles, what did they do? They actually get this. They placed the matter back in the hands of the people. Back in the hands of the church. And they issued a command for the church to choose those that would serve. Notice, first of all, that they faced a commission. Now, in in your Bible, look at verse number 3 at the end of it. Look at these words. Whom we may appoint, look at these last three words, over this business. Everybody see those three words. Now, a lot of times, because, watch this, I hope you understand this, Most religions of the world, man-made religions, will take things from the Bible and they'll twist them. They'll distort them. This is one of those that many times they like to have people misunderstand or take it wrong. Now, here's, here's a couple things I want you to see. In regards to those that would serve deacons, deacons do not exist to be church bosses. Now, there are a lot of churches, there are a lot of churches where the deacons run the church. Now, these two men that are here serving, that have served this last year, listen, they know my heart. They know that I believe the Bible, and they do too. They don't have a problem with this. Both of them are sitting here, and they understand this. But see, there are a lot of churches who think that the deacon runs the church. The, The phrase here, over this business, deacons are not Over the business of the church. Nowhere in the scriptures, and I've studied it, you cannot find one place in the Bible where God gives authority to the office of a deacon. It's not there. Matter of fact, what you do find is that the deacons are servants, they are to serve at the pleasure of the church. Now, let's say, well, what business then is it? Well, the business that they were placed over, here it is, was to serve tables. Look at verse 2. It says, they called the multitude. They said, it's not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Do you see the word serve there? Remember earlier that I said you, you're not going to find the word deacon here in this passage? Remember me saying that? Now, the word deacon in the Bible is actually the Greek word diakonos. It means to serve, a servant. Now, the word serve here, serve tables, it's actually a form of the word diakonos. Even though the noun diakonos is not there, the form of the word is right there with serve tables, so what is a deacon? Well, according to the Bible, it's a table waiter. It's a domestic servant. It's one that attends to the needs of others. It is what we today call a deacon in the church. See, biblically, a deacon is a servant to do one thing, and that is to meet the needs of the people. So the commission that, that, that was placed before them was, here it is. The apostle said, you need to look out among you, not outside the church, look out among you and find some men that were already serving in the church. Listen, not look, you don't, you don't say, hey, look, we would like you to be a deacon, and we would like you to be a deacon so that you will start serving. No, 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 no. Look you out among you, men that are already serving. That's what the Bible teaches. See, a lot of times every year we have a meeting, I just had it a couple weeks ago with our current deacons, and I ask them, are there any men, we do this every year, that you would recommend to serve in the coming year? Well, you know what all of us do? We all start to think, who have I seen serving? That's what we think. Look you out among you. So as we look here, there was, yes, a commission that they faced, but notice this, they also faced a challenge. What was the challenge? Well, they needed to look out among them. They needed to look for men. They needed to choose men. What kind of men? Men that had special characteristics. Notice, they were to be good men. The Bible says men of honest report. These were men that had a testimony in the church and in, in the community around them. They, they were living the right lifestyle. They were saved men that were living the Christian life. They were men of integrity, that avoided evil, that, that always had the best interest for others in mind. They were not only good men, but they were godly men, men full of the Holy Ghost. That means they were men filled with the Spirit of God. They were men that, that were in tune with God, that were being led by God. They were not only to be men, godly men, but they were to be gifted men, not only full of the Holy Ghost, but full of wisdom. May God give us some men of wisdom, not men not influenced by personal opinions and not influenced by their emotions, but men that are able to make decisions on what thus saith the Lord. They must seek what is best for the whole church. And I know sometimes you look at that and you think, wow, those are pretty stiff requirements. Well, listen, that's what the Bible says. These are the kind of men that we should choose to serve in the church, and we all As Bible Baptist Church, we need to pray that God would give us men like that that have served in the past, that would serve this year, men that have a servant's heart. We don't need businessmen. We need good men, godly men, and gifted men to serve. That's what the Bible teaches us. See, there was a commission for them to choose men, and there was a challenge that they needed to be qualified men. Now, can I just tell you, listen. We're not talking about Bible Baptist church qualifications. We're not talking about Pastor Keeley qualifications. We're talking biblical qualifications. Now, I want you to see this. They also faced a choice because they were to choose, and they did choose. The church got together, and they made their selections. That's what we're going to do in two weeks. They chose here in Acts 6, 7. And these seven were appointed to the task. Well, what was the task? It was the problems, multiplication, murmuring, ministry. The seven immediately had work to do. They rolled up their sleeves, and they began to serve the people. Now, in Acts 6, the Bible gives the number seven. I know that even some pastors vary on this, but when I study the Word of God, there is no set number when it comes to how many deacons, there are a few things that come into play. One is, I believe that as I mentioned earlier, as the need grows, more people, more problems, more needs need to be met, I think then maybe there's a need for more men to serve. Another thing is, is that sometimes because of the biblical qualifications, some men may not be able to serve. In the office of deacon. Now, if you're here today and maybe you're not biblically qualified, listen. I'm going to tell you something. You just continue to serve in your local church. Some of the some of the best men over the years that I have served with were not deacons. I had the privilege years ago to serve as a deacon for nine years, and I loved every minute of it. Well, there was a few that I probably didn't love, but but other than that, it was a great time. It was a, it was a privilege and an honor to serve the people of the church that we were a part of years ago. But, you know, when you think about this, listen, all of the problems that they faced, and they kept their priorities right, and they understood the proposals. Look at the end of it here. I want you to see the progress that the church faced. Look at verse 6. They chose those men that they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed... They laid their hands on them, and look at verse 7. The word of God increased. Remember what I told you, how the devil wants to stop the forward progress of the church? The devil wants to stop you. But see, when we handle things God's way, God's work begins to go forward. The devil has to sit back and let God have his way among his people. And the Bible says the word of God increased, look at it, and the number of the disciples, there's the word again, multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Sounds to me like the early church chose the right men. And they benefited from their choice. See, that's when we do things God's way, The church is going to be the one that benefits from it. The church needs, I think, deacons still today, the right kind of men to serve, men that will take up the mantle of service just like they did in in the Bible times. And we need men, again, that are good men and godly men and gifted men that will help to meet the needs of the people. But in the end, the truth is we will get what we want. I sure hope that what we want is what God wants. And what we need to do as a church these next two weeks is to be praying that God would give us exactly men that would help when the problems come and the needs need to be met. We need men that will serve. I really believe this. The future of our church rests in those that will serve here. Now, the greatest of all is Jesus. Notice what the Bible says in Luke twenty-two, twenty-seven. 27. Jesus said these words, Whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth, is not he that sitteth at meat. Now, that's the way man thinks. The one that's being served is the greatest. But notice the end of the verse. Jesus said, But I am among you as he that serveth. He came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Are you saved today? Do you know Christ as your Savior? Because if you're not, before you leave here, that's the greatest decision you'll ever make. And if you are saved, watch this. You may not have the privilege to serve as a deacon, but I believe every Christian should serve the Lord with the life that He gave you when He saved you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I wonder this morning, have you seen from how the Holy Spirit dealt with the problem in the church? Problems are never fun, but we have a God that can do anything. God has a way. You and I need to see that we're a part of His church. And we need to understand what the priorities are, the preaching and the people. And God's given us some challenges. God's going to give us in a couple weeks, those of you that are members of our church, to vote. It's not a popularity contest. It's men that I believe that are already serving that we can appoint over this business. Well, What business to serve the people? You see, all of this is meant so that the work of God could continue to go forward. Lord, thank you this morning for what you are doing here. I thank you for the clear teaching from Acts 6 this morning. God, please continue to bless our church with men that are good men, godly men, gifted men. I pray for those that would support them that may not be biblically qualified, but they can still serve in a great capacity. Lord, we love you, and this is your work. We know the devil would love to stop the work of God, but you said that you would build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And God, we're claiming that promise in this day and hour that we live in. Help us to be the church that you saved us and called us to be. Would you stand with me this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the piano begins to play? If you have a need this morning or you want to come and pray, you need to be saved, why don't you come? At this time we'll take the Bible and show you how you can know that heaven would be your home someday. Why don't you come today, Christian, and say, Listen, I want to serve. I want to serve God. I want to try to help meet the needs in our church. Some of you men, have you thought about it? If you're scripturally qualified, maybe God would have you to serve someday as a deacon in our church. Whatever your need is this morning, as Brother Kenny sings, why don't you come? Why don't you come?